0: I'll say bless the Lord if you say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Good evening, Kairos. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Uh, Kairos is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other. We want to be the kind of people who can bring the whole gospel to the whole person, anywhere, anytime, with anybody. Uh, If you're here tonight and you're just considering the claims of Christ, welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you're here tonight and you're following after Jesus with every fiber of your being, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I think the Lord's going to have a word from us straight out of Thessalonians. Um, but before we dive into that, I just need to acknowledge the obvious. Happy Halloween <laughs> or Reformation Day. Um, let's, let's just be honest. Uh, uh, yeah, it's whatever. Um, here are things I'm not thankful for about Halloween. First of all, jack-o'-lanterns, okay? Thanks, Pinterest, for ruining everything (laughs) so that my kids grow up with more inferiority complexes about how their lives are not perfect and neither are their pumpkin carving skills. And then, no thanks to actually having to scoop out pumpkin guts. It's gross, okay? I'm sorry if I wince and scream like a three-year-old girl when that happens. I still just don't like it. Um, Here's also no thanks to Halloween when discounted, overpriced Halloween stores pop up in abandoned strip malls. No thanks to that. That's just a sign of the apocalypse and will soon be a future set of The Walking Dead. Um, hey, no thanks to that older kid in your neighborhood who's just a little bit too old to go trick-or-treating um, and wears a really, really scary outfit uh, and doesn't break character. Uh, and so... <laughs> You come to my door tonight, instead of candy, you're going to get an invitation to the drama club and the name of my counselor. Use them both, so no thanks to you. Um, no thanks that Halloween signifies the most extroverted time of the year. Great. More parties. We've got Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. We won't get any minutes alone until it's over. Uh, no thanks to Halloween, Um, Because now I have to put my internet filter in my home on DEF CON 1 because my preteen daughter is Google searching girls' costumes. No thank you, Halloween. That's weird. And last but not least, no thank you to Halloween nursery rhymes that encourage forms of sexual harassment um, to barter for better candy. Trigger treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat. If you don't, I don't care. I'll pull down your underwear. No, that's not acceptable, okay? We, we, don't, we don't do that, all right? Take that off the table. But if I settle down from epic rants on Halloween, uh, I think there are some things that I can be thankful about this. There's cute kids in costumes. Thank you, amazing. Um, thank you that Halloween is the first place that my parents used to teach me about the biblical principle of tithing where we would dump all the candy out and they would take 10% of the first fruits for themselves. If that wasn't bad enough, my parents said they were New Testament Christians and everything belongs to the Lord and to them. So that was, just leave the Reese's peanut butter cups, dad. Um, Thanks for the family in the neighborhood who gives out full-size candy bars for just putting the kingdom of God down in our midst and letting us know that God loves abundance. Yes, thank you, whoever you are, keep doing it. It's a very good thing. Don't stop. And even thanks to the dentist in the neighborhood who gave you a toothbrush. Great. Now we have something to clean our cleats with. We appreciate you. (laughs) Last but not least, thank you to the church for trying to rebrand Halloween by calling it Fall Festival (laughs) or Trunk or Treat. I was listening to a guy do a bit on this, and he just said, it's really weird. Like, you go down to Little Kids Church, and then one day you get to go to Big Church, but They seem to teach you opposite principles. You're down in kids' church, and they're like, hey, don't talk to strangers. You get up to big church, and the first thing the pastor says, stand up and greet someone you don't know. (laughs) He's also talking about trunk or tree. He says, what what lesson are we trying to teach our kids there? That you can walk up to a stranger's trunk, and there will be something good inside for you. It's just (laughs) probably not the best life lessons that we're doing. So just call it what it is. It's Halloween. I say all that just because even in the things that I'm thankful for, can you, do you sense a, a, a mode of criticism going on? I think we're in a pervasive culture of criticism right now. Any coward with a keyboard, any bully with a blog can make a thousand different points, but never makes a difference in changing anything. And I don't know about you, I I readily recognize that in other people, but then when I look at my own life, I think about how much of the things that come out of my mouth are complaints and criticism. How much bonding do I do with my friends over talking about everything that's wrong? How much bonding do you guys get to do when you walk out of here and go, man, the music was great, but that Chris was off tonight. And we just go, oh, I didn't like this, or I didn't like this, I didn't like this. I wonder tonight, what would it look like if we created a culture of thanksgiving, if that wouldn't create a climate in which the Holy Spirit would break out in mundane and miraculous ways within the community of God. And I think that's a little bit about what Paul's on to in the first chapter of Thessalonians. So Boggs read that for you. Um, We're going to try here at Kairos. We like doing different things. We'll go through a book in the Bible or we'll do a series that kind of addresses some of the things that we're struggling with most. But we're going to try to march through the next five weeks to the entire book of Thessalonians. Uh, We're going to do a series called Returning Thanks. Because in every chapter in this book, Paul is thanking God and he's thanking the people that he sees for how God is working through them. He'll say, thanks be to God, or praise be to God. And there's this incredible climate of thanksgiving and generosity and praise. And what would it look like if that invaded our hearts, our minds, and especially our mouths? So, uh, as I've been studying and reading through this, I just have to confess to you, I couldn't get past the first three verses in my garage when I read through it the first time. It's the only place I have by myself in my house. So, uh, Probably for the next four weeks, I'm going to use the first 10 verses kind of as a filter for us to go through the rest of the chapters. But if you don't have anything that you're currently reading um, on your own for uh, personal devotion with the Lord, I would encourage you. This is an incredible book. Uh, Some scholars even call it a love letter. Um, This is one of Paul's healthiest churches. He started it. Riot broke out. He had to sneak out in the middle of the night and he loves these people. And we're going to hear this in the first couple of verses. Um, So we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Would you guys pray with me before we read God's word together? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say... Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. And God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you. Mentioning you in our prayers, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, And your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. I couldn't even get past the second verse before I'm like, what? Are you serious, Paul? He just said, we always thank God for all of you. I must have been a small church. (laughs) I can't thank God for all the people in my family. Can you thank God for all the people in your small group? Can you thank God for all the people you rode in a car with tonight? You're like, yeah, I just rode myself. Check. Nailed it. <laughs> well, I, like, what does it look like for such an attitude of thanksgiving and appreciation? And I don't think that doesn't mean there weren't difficult people, I, I don't think that doesn't mean that there wasn't conflict. I think in the midst of even suffering, conflict and difficult people, Paul still found the secret sauce of the kingdom which is if I operate from a place of thanksgiving, it animates my love. And so I think we have a hard time receiving praise sometimes. Are you that kind of person who I don't like affirmation, don't thank me, I'll deflect. I'll say things like don't mention it. Well, You're different than me. When I say don't mention it, what I really mean is mention it a bit more, please. Thank you very much. There's this gaping hole of approval that my dad left. And so if you could help fill it up, that would be great. What Paul is saying here is do mention it. Do mention it continually to God and mention it to your brothers and sisters. That when you see things that you're thankful for, speak it out and it'll change the climate and the culture around you and you'll spur one another on to good deeds. So here's just a couple observations from the text that I want to share with you guys tonight. See if one of them has your name on it. Um, But all of these had my name on it as I was going through this text. I think the first thing we need to realize is we need to return thanks for people in your life regardless of where they are at in the process of their salvation or their sanctification. What does sanctification mean? It just means they still have some more work to be likable, So that's what that means. Someone's getting to my nerves. That's called the process of sanctification, okay? They're just working through who God has intended them to be. I started this practice too. The people that are most frustrating, that rub up against my own issues, they're the people that I try to pray for the most. Now, maybe some of you just needed to hear this tonight. Maybe the difficult people in your life are put there by God to teach you a difficult lesson about love. I used to, I've been in several different job situations and several different ministry situations and without fail, there's usually someone on staff who they're wired, their personality's totally different than mine. Um, They have totally different issues than me and they just, it's like sandpaper. I I believe that's the Greek word for sanctification is sandpaper. (laughs) And I used to pray, Lord, first of all, let them get saved because they can't be a Christian and talk and act like that to me, okay? Second, move them, get out of here, please. Like, just move heaven and earth and launch them. Let them be somebody else's problem. Or if I was unwilling to have difficult conversations and to acknowledge my own responsibility and part that I played in that, I would just leave and go, I can't work here. You know what happened when I got to the next job or the next ministry setting? There they were waiting for me. Different person, different job, same issues that bring out my issues. What would it look like for some of you this week that the person that you're having the most difficult time with, that you said, thank you, God, that you've placed that person in my life for my own personal sanctification? Father, I wanna pray for them, and I wanna pray for ways that I can, in healthy ways, deal with conflict and confrontation so that your glory can be revealed in me and to them. And my responsibility is how I behave in that. How they behave is their responsibility. Uh, second thing is when we don't take time to return thanks, we always return to criticism and cynicism. Sort <laughs> of like two pet chihuahuas that don't stop barking inside my brain sometime. I don't know about you. Um, I think this is uh, left over from the garden. I think Satan in Genesis chapter 3 is tempting Adam and Eve with cynicism and criticism. Really? You're not allowed to eat of that tree? (laughs) Sounds like a bunch of rules and regulations to me. Then it's cynicism and doubt and speculation. You eat that fruit, you won't really die. Your eyes will be open, and you'll know the difference between good and evil. Instead of thanking God for everything that he had provided, instead of thanking God for setting parameters, we crossed over them. And so I think if we don't continue to return thanks, we will find our minds and our hearts constantly returning to criticism and cynicism. Um, I have a buddy uh, in a discipleship group with who uh, we were talking around dinner one time and I was complaining, being very critical about traffic that I was stuck in like I'm going up Franklin Road they're trying to expand it they're mowing down trees it looks really cool but like 10 minutes I was in the car with Christopher trying to get him to daycare and I'm like come on I'm driving a stick shift right my calf is cramping let's go (laughs) and his daughter goes my daddy loves sitting in traffic I'm like shut up Satan (laughs) I didn't say that out loud I said, what? what, yeah, my dad loves it when he gets stuck in traffic. I said, your, your dad does not. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, man, I love it. I, I just realized I got extra time to pray and reflect and I don't have to be anywhere and I'm not responsible for anything. I get to sit in traffic. You jerk. <laughs> Sandpaper sanctification. So the next time I'm stuck in traffic, first thing in my mouth, bless the Lord, thank you, Jesus. This is so much fun. was actually stuck in traffic two nights later and we called and had a great conversation for 45 minutes. Um, We were doing this as a team before uh, Kairos tonight and one of their prayer exercises was, what are some things that you can thank God for that you normally don't thank God for? And there were some doozies and some ones that you just went, wow, bravo. Uh, The one that I liked the least was someone said, thank you God for airplanes and airline travel. (laughs) I went, Like darts of conviction, I've spent a lot of time traveling in October. I've been to a funeral, to a wedding, to retreats. And every time I get on an airplane, I don't know about you guys, if you travel for a living, it's a full contact sport. And I come home, my, my all my senses are assaulted. Oh my gosh, I can't even fit in this. I'm in poor man's first class, which is an exit row. Yes, I'll pay 15 extra dollars, please, thank you. And then come to find out they've made it so cheap now, the stewardess sits next to you like this. And you're like, you're my leg space woman. But do you you realize that some of the things that we are complaining and criticizing most might be a grace from God? Uh, I think that brings us to our next point. Develop the discipline of returning thanks because it is indeed a discipline. Because if not, we are entitled, self-centered, consumeristic people consumed with our own convenience. What does it look like for us to start to develop the discipline of returning thanks. One author recommended, hey, this is why we fast. Take a break from food and realize how wonderful it is when you come back. I can remember after a period of fasting, I ate a strawberry and almost had a charismatic experience. <laughs> Jesus, that is amazing. You are so good, Lord. How did you think of strawberries? Thank you. <laughs> right? Take a break from technology. When you're complaining about data usage or, oh my gosh, I've got the Wheel of Doom, let's go. I need to binge watch Stranger Things and this is not helping, right? Take a break and realize some of the things that we most take for granted, we often fail to say thank you for. I was at a men's retreat. I had to fly on a plane there. Oh my gosh, pity Chris. Um, In Houston, Texas. Um, And it's a buddy of mine who's a pastor there. And it's just, anybody from Texas? You know who you are. It's just Texas. It's rough. It's gruff. It's, it's just, just, just terrain is just deeply like, mm, don't mess with me. I often said about Texas, like uh, I'm from up north and then down south you have Southern Pride. And I'm like, that's great. You're proud about a war you lost. Cool. Um, but then you get over here. Sorry. Um, then it, it seems to all cadence and land in Texas. Texas thinks they're better than the entire nation. They want to be their own nation, like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I was in Texas, that was the point, point. and it's at a men's retreat, and there's maybe 50 dudes in a the room, there's a guitar, and we start singing, and I'm like, oh, worship, uh, probably through music, won't be that great, it's a bunch of dudes who are trying to act too cool, and these are like cowboys. Uh, Neil's got a great church, you know, here's an oil executive next to uh, an ex-con, and it's just this beautiful amalgamation of the kingdom, and I love it. And those men just let it rip. And they're praising, and I'm like getting deeply moved and like want to run through a brick wall. They're like chanting out theology and orthodoxy and all these hymns, and it's just like, yeah, what's going on right now? And I lean over and I said, Neil, your men sing. And he said, that's because they have a strong theology of hell. That's the most Texas thing ever to say, right? what what does that mean what are you talking about that's not the response i was looking for he goes no they they've just developed the discipline of returning thanks because they realized they were sinners underneath the wrath of god and because jesus christ came and rescued them every single thing they have in life is a gift and a blessing yeah i agree i agree that's good thank you clear eyes full hearts can't lose Last thing, returning thanks turns our attention from focusing on our problems to focusing on our priorities. Now, please hear me when I'm talking about this and returning thanks. I know there's some of you in the room who you're walking through something that was done to you that was evil. I'm not asking you to thank God for that. I am asking, can you, which Paul will get to in verse three when he talks about an attitude of thanksgiving, The Thessalonians, they work by faith, they labor by love, and they endure by hope. I'm asking you, is it it possible for you to move through what has happened to you, that you can work by faith, labor by love, and endure by hope, so that you can get to a place where you say what Satan intended for evil, God has brought good out of. And I'm not pressuring you to get to that place. You have to arrive at that. I will never say that for you. But we will walk alongside you until you can get to such a place. But returning thanks turns our attention from focusing on our problems to focusing on our priorities. We can't do this on our own. I think Jesus is the great model for this for us as he lives in and through us. Um, On the night of his Last Supper, he took the cup and he returned thanks. Do you know what's about to happen? He's about to get betrayed by one of his disciples. Then he's going to be really underneath the weight of the cross that's about to come. So he's going to ask all his disciples stay, or a couple of his disciples to stay up and pray with him. They're going to fall asleep three times. Then he's going to go to the cross. He's going to be abandoned by all of his disciples. And one of his closest ones is going to deny him three times. And then he's going to be tortured and killed to death. In the midst of that, he decides to develop the discipline of returning Thanks so that he can focus not on the problems before him but the priorities of making sure that you and I have had a way made straight to the throne room of God through the blood of Jesus. Do you think in the midst of your problems, you can focus on the priorities of who God is calling you to be, even in the most difficult circumstances? I, uh, I'm not a mechanic. Uh, I actually had to pay someone else today to do that, which was wonderful. But um, I have a lawnmower that I bought used like 10 years ago, and it wasn't running, and I've got a guy who's real handy in the neighborhood, and I always remember this phrase, hey, if it's not starting, it's fuel, fire, or air. That's what you need for an internal combustion engine. Just check those things. So I got three moves when it comes (laughs) to being a mechanic, and that's it. Um, I was trying to start the lawnmower because Simon was mowing the lawn for the first time and it's not starting. I'm failing already, <laughs> escorting my son into manhood. And uh, so I'm like, fuel, fire, or air? He's like, what? I'm like, that's the three things we're going to check. So I checked the fuel, I dump it out, maybe it's old, fill it back up. Um, I checked the fire, I replaced the spark plug, which was, I was really proud of myself for that. <laughs> Nothing. And then on the little side, there's an air filter. And I mean, it's just caked with dirt, possibly because I have more dirt than grass. Shake it out, we do it, we light it, go straight up. I think in this passage, what Paul is saying is in the air of the gospel, the gospel is the air that we breathe. That Jesus Christ has died, He's risen, and He will come again. That is the air that animates us to life. The fuel is our thanksgiving. Uh, The more thankful we are, the more fuel we will have to fire working by faith, laboring by love, and enduring with hope. So my question for you tonight is, what are you missing? What's missing in your life to fuel the fire of the gospel and the kingdom setting down in your midst so that when we come together, we can be a combustion engine that has high horsepower for setting down the kingdom of God in people's midst, that we can be the kind of people that start to sing and praise that will ever be on our lips. Psalm 130 that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He redeemed my life from the pit. He's forgiven me of my sins. He satisfies my desire with good things and my strength will be renewed. What's missing right now? Is it fuel? Is it cultivating thanksgiving and returning thanks? Is it fire? I need to work by faith, labor by love, and endure by hope? Or is it simply the air of the gospel that's gotten clogged up in your life and you need to be reminded that Jesus Christ loves me as I am, not as I should be or going to be, but right now because of Jesus, God is in love with me. Because until we start cultivating our ability to receive and return thanks, we won't be able to offer it to others. And I think there's someone this week who's waiting on your affirmation to be confirmation that God is good and his, he is at work, amen?